Hello and welcome to the GoFull Crypto Podcast. In this episode, we're going to examine Ripple. Ripple is a cryptocurrency that we usually get asked about within the first couple of conversations with our friends, family, and customers. The kinds of questions that we get are usually something along the lines of, it's so cheap, it's only 25 cents per Ripple, shouldn't I buy it? Can't I get a lot of bang for my buck? And there's a couple of myths and biases that uh, come with that line of questioning. And so we're going to do a little bit of myth busting and we're going to talk about the dangers of investing in a cryptocurrency that's built by a centralized entity like Ripple Labs. All right, without further ado, let's dig in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. All right, Murga, so let's get right into it with Ripple. Uh, when people contact us about which cryptocurrencies they should be invested in, like we're heavy Bitcoin people, right? But when people contact us, they're like, okay, cool. What do you think of Ethereum? and Chainlink, and Ripple. Ripple is almost inevitably one of the first two or three cryptocurrencies that people ask us about. Like, What is your initial impression when people ask you about Ripple? Well, it's, um, it strikes me majorly as not really understanding what the cryptocurrency industry is all about to begin with, because I personally relate the, the fact that decentralization exists, which means there's no single one central authority, but the power is essentially distributed among people. Um, and that's that's what I think of when I hear, okay, cool, like what cryptocurrencies um, uh, can you, are you interested in? And yes, the, the, the only, I think the first truly, and I guess only cryptocurrency that is truly de- decentralized is Bitcoin because it doesn't have a founder. Um, or we have no way to contact them um, in any case anyway. And it truly the power of, uh, I guess, maintaining the Bitcoin network is with its people. So um, I definitely hold the, um, uh, the cryptocurrency industry to the standard of proper decentralization. And when someone says, hey, uh, I want to I invest in Ripple, like, what do you think about Ripple? It strikes me immediately as them not having complete understanding of what cryptocurrencies is per my definition. Awesome. I loved basically everything that you said there. That was that, that was super concise. Um, right. So let's break that down. What is not centralized or so what is, what is not decentralized about Ripple? And also, do you have like a go to definition of decentralization? Because I know that that's a word that sometimes uh, can carry like a dozen different definitions and sometimes eludes people's understanding. Yeah. So, you know, centralization, what, what's one word uh, or what's one entity that has the word central in it that we all will know of it. It's the central bank and our central station. If we're getting away from finance, it essentially means that there's one, there's a central location. And usually the center of anything is the only center of that thing, uh, uh, meaning that there, there, you can. There's no two centers because then it's not the center anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, like, I re- relate central with uh, the like the center point. Oh my gosh, the, just like you know, 
the epicenter of everything that happens around a, a particular thing. So when you hear the word decentralized, it means that there is no center. There is no one main entity. There is no um, one important, I would say, or one decision-making um, entity that governs what happens around it. So decentralization is essentially the distribution of the, the importance that usually a centralized entity would have. Cool. Yeah, right on. I'm going to just while you were speaking, I thought of this like kind of abstract analogy that uh, that we could make in order to try to like bring that term or that understanding to a wider audience. And that's like think of a plant and mostly all plants. I think all plants. I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but that they've got a stalk in the middle, right? It's a trunk, the tree trunk or it's the stalk of the plant. And if you cut that down or or snip it, the whole the whole plant dies. Right. It's because the stem is is well it's connected to the root and, and these are all words that are heavily related to centralization right like the plant has its life centralized in its stock and if you cut that down then the whole plant dies whereas bitcoin is more so like a mushroom and like a mycelium network where a part a part or a chunk of the mycelium network uh, can completely die or be removed from from the uh, the organism the the larger uh, fungal network at large and the network itself and the entity that is the fungal network, the mycelium network of Bitcoin can remain. Keegan. Yeah. Um, I don't think that a plant dies if you cut it. Some of them do. <laughs> Some, <laughs> Some of them do. <laughs> I, per my knowledge, I think you need to uproot the entire plant if you really want to kill it. Okay. But, you know, the fact that if you, you chop it off in, in its stock and it grows back is pretty evident with respect to cutting out central entities so uh, tune into our new show uh, biology and bitcoin starting next week uh it's uh, uh all right so let's get back to ripple and um yeah. i think that we've established exactly what the difference between centralization and decentralization is and yeah. what are your thoughts keegan on like what do you say to someone who comes to you and says hey hey man how do i invest in ripple <laughs> okay so I, I do want our listeners when you when you have a chance go on to a site called coinmarketcap.com and look for ripple it's currently number five as uh at the time of this recording of the episode and one of the first things that people say to us is like hey what do you think of ripple it's so cheap like, isn't there much like more opportunity for me to get more bang for my buck or like for the price to rise quite a lot? Like if I can get a thousand ripple for 10 bucks, I can only get like 0. 0.0001 Bitcoin for 10 bucks. Like, aren't I getting a lot more of something? It's like, yes, you're getting a lot more units of ripple. But this is a this is a bias that uh, it's called the unit bias. Uh, the bias is that because something is cheaper, it has more of an opportunity to rise. But uh, or also you have more of it. You get to have more units of yeah it. Yeah, and that's that's also a unit bias, right? Because it's what is the total piece of the pie? What is the total pie? How many units Keegan, in the total pie? Yeah, I love where you're getting to, but let's get started with what is Ripple? Like just one question. We've established that it is a kind of cryptocurrency, but what does it do? What is it meant for? Uh, it's meant to it's meant as a global payment processor for the entire world. It's it's actually like a, a money 2.0 for banks. It's built by this uh, this company called Ripple Labs. I'm just like going to go to the website real quick and read you their uh, there we go. Their, their tagline is instantly move money 
to all corners of the world. And then it says easily move money to all corners of the world. And then it'll change efficiently move money to all corners of the world. And it's like, okay, well, that's Bitcoin. And uh, and yeah, let's let's get into that. A little I, bit. I disagree. Like I, I can see what people um, when you if you give them that answer saying that, hey, that's Bitcoin, um, they're going to come back at you and say, well, you know, not really, because I had this problem moving Bitcoin from this place to this place or uh, moving Bitcoin is expensive at the points in time when a lot of people are trading. So what are you talking about? It's not even that fast. And yada, yada, yada. So what would you say to someone like that? Uh, I would say that we're in the growth phase of Bitcoin and that uh, in the future, like the Bitcoin network will underpin all payment networks or, or the majority of them. So rather like if you're moving money on the Internet 10 years from now, then that money will have touched Bitcoin. Um, but uh, all right. So if you yeah, we were to take Bitcoin out of this equation yeah. um, and not really bias it with what you love and respect and the cryptocurrency that you love and respect, What's the one thing that strikes as, hey, I don't like this about Ripple and I don't want to um, recommend it to people because of this one thing? Cool. The one thing that I would uh, point to is that Ripple is owned and operated by a centralized entity called Ripple Labs. And but so is so yeah. many other cryptocurrencies. Yes, exactly. That's, that, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but Okay, Keegan, so again, I'm channeling my audience uh questions yeah absolutely you're very <laughs> good at my that. brain thank you so um you're essentially saying that anything that is centralized is not trustworthy because you're pro bitcoin so everything else that is not like bitcoin is not worth it is what i'm hearing uh i'm sort of uh it's just a lot more difficult to build that trust because um with the bitcoin network i'm not really trusting people i'm trusting math and code Whereas if there's a company involved in the creation and the administration of a cryptocurrency, I'm trusting a company and I'm trusting the people operating at that company. Okay, so why is it bad to, um, I mean, I, I don't see how you can say that centralization is the one aspect that drives you away from Ripple. Like, have there been any events that have taken place? Has there been something that perhaps yeah. the CEO has said that you're against? Like. Give me more meat to your dislike towards <laughs> Ripple. Cool. So we were actually heading in this direction earlier when we were talking about the unit bias and talking about the full picture, uh, like how many Ripple actually exist, right? Why is Ripple 25 cents per, per Ripple at this moment per XRP? And it's because there's 100 billion Ripple out there. And that's why it's so cheap. There's 21 million Bitcoin. That's one of the reasons why Bitcoin's so... Uh, quote-unquote expensive there's a hundred billion ripple and they were all quote-unquote pre-mined which means they were all created in a single instant and the company ripple labs controls the issuance of those tokens into circulation whereas the issuance of bitcoin is controlled by math let's, and, let's, and an algorithm. Let, let's take bitcoin out of the picture just let's just talk about ripple so well no it's it's actually really important that we contrast that with, with bitcoin because it, it highlights the reason why i don't like Ripple as a Ripple Labs as a centralized entity. It's because the Ripple Labs, uh, like I just read their Wikipedia page before this episode, and the majority of their income actually comes from selling those tokens. So the company itself, like their business plan is, okay, we're going to create a hundred billion of these things, and we're going to sell them to investors. That's our business plan. I 
I don't like that business plan. I think that that is kind of disingenuous. And then when you go and look into the kind of business engagements that they've engaged themselves in, so they've tried to engage transfer wise and they denied them. And then they tried to engage MoneyGram and they're like, okay, cool, we're going to use Ripple, but you're going to pay us to use your network. So rather than MoneyGram giving money to Ripple Labs to use their software to move money around the world, they're like, okay, Ripple is actually five times more expensive to move money around than this, the infrastructure that we've built. What do you mean? Yeah, this is, this is what Wikipedia says. So MoneyGram says, okay, we're not going to use Ripple because it's going to cost us five times the amount of money. Why? Do they have an explanation? Well, I, I How think... How is that cost efficient? It's not. It's not cost efficient. So Ripple Labs gives MoneyGram a subsidy, a yearly subsidy. And on Wikipedia, it says $8.9 million is the subsidy. Uh, on a yearly basis, so MoneyGram can use Ripple so that Ripple can say that these large international money um, transfer services are using our services. But like it's it's a kind of a disingenuous way of getting used, right? It's like me paying you to use my services. I, I get to then say, like, if you're a notable, no, uh, notorious or notable, a, a notable person yeah. or entity, then I get to use your name and say, oh, like Murakashi Poway is using my service. Hurrah. And then what I'm not telling you is that uh, it's actually through <laughs> through me paying you to use my service. So it's it's like practices like that. Like Bitcoin can't do that. There's, there's no mechanism through which that can happen. Yeah, you're going to tell me not to yeah, well, okay, so keep going back to Bitcoin. The reason that I don't want you to keep going back to Bitcoin is because let's, let's kind of step outside the cryptocurrency industry for a second. And Apple stock, Tesla stock. Do you believe that these companies actually are producing something of value? I do. Okay. Well, they're a centralized entity. People love Elon Musk. People, a majority of people, I would say, um, love both Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, just the creators of these products. Yeah. Um, and rest in peace, Steve Jobs. We know that you're not here anymore. Anyway, Steve Jobs is really what made Apple Apple, according to uh, many people. A lot, many people. And right. Myself so, included. So what I'm getting also at Steve is Steve Wozniak. Shout out Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Thanks, Steve Wozniak. So what I'm getting at is. Um, these are centralized entities as well, right? You yep. can't compare them to Bitcoin and say, well, Apple doesn't have a founder. I, I'm not anti-centralized entities. I think it, centralized... It sounds very much like you are. Cool. So I'm anti-centralized entities when it comes to money. I don't think that money should be controlled by centralized entity. And that's essentially what Ripple has created themselves to be. Like Ripple minted 100 billion of these tokens and then branded themselves as a money transfer service. But didn't Ethereum also do something similar? Uh, yes, but Ethereum actually has a claim towards decentralization, whether or not it is actually truly decentralized, and like that's a whole other discussion. But it like Ripple just straight up does not have a claim on, on decentralization. So would you say that your go-to reason for disliking Ripple is the fact that it is manipulatable by the entity that controls Ripple, the issuance of Ripple, the maintenance of Ripple? Uh, <laughs> I yes, I would say that. Um, I don't exactly have like the, the data and the numbers to, to back that up. But uh, I mean, Ripple comes on my radar um, once or twice a week just through the, the articles and the, the, my keepings up with the goings on in the, uh, in the cryptocurrency realm. And I, I would say that like when cr Ripple rises, it rises suddenly and it rises by a factor of like 60% in How a much? single day. Like 60%. Okay, yeah. cool. Because I was going to say, when you say suddenly, Keegan, it reminds me of another cryptocurrency. Uh, so so be, be specific. 
Uh, yeah, which cryptocurrency? Oh, I'm just talking about Bitcoin. But that was before okay. you said 60%, because we've seen more than upwards of 20% swings in Bitcoin as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we can go and take a look at Ripple supply and we can actually see that most of the Ripple is still not in circulation. And so Ripple sitting there at a top five cryptocurrency at 25 cents per coin and there's uh, some large percentage of its, um, of its supply, 50%, still held by that centralized entity. At any point in time, if that company finds themselves as insolvent or needs to get a hold of a large amount of cash, they can dump that on the market to, to fund their company. That, I mean, that and is dumping their, for people that yeah. don't know just means selling huge yeah. amounts of it. That's right. And then the people who've bought into the idea of Ripple um, can, will, will essentially be holding the bags and uh, potentially see like a price reduction. Uh, it, I mean, it's also possible that it would go up. But like the, the point is that they control the, uh, the supply <laughs> and, and therefore um, have that lever to pull to manipulate the price. Not saying they do, I'm just saying that they, they have that lever, whereas those levers don't exist in a, in a truly decentralized network. Hmm. You're asking some great questions. I, I love this though, this is great. Thanks, well, it's just important to challenge your own thoughts and beliefs for disliking and uh, discouraging people from looking at one cryptocurrency. So. Well, did we did we combat the unit bias well enough? Like, did did that? No, I don't think that we did because uh, the unit bias is something that people feel even when getting into Bitcoin. The other day, someone asked me how, uh, how they can buy Bitcoin, so I I told them how, and they said, "Ooh, it's too expensive." Um, what was it? It was in a different cur currency because they're not in Canada, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, one Bitcoin for this much? It's too expensive." And then I said, "Well, you don't have to buy one. You can buy like." $10 or 10 rupees or 10 pounds worth of Bitcoin if you simply want to like invest that much. It, you don't have to buy, what, 40000 is that right now? Right. Uh, you don't have to invest $40,000 simply to buy one Bitcoin. You can invest $10 and get 0, 0.000 something, something, something Bitcoin. And, and that's fine too. It's it's getting you up zero. So the unit bias is... We, we don't think in terms of 0 0.000100, yeah. like we don't think that, oh, this cup of coffee is 0 0.0005 Satoshis um, or, or Bitcoin. Or Bitcoin, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really hard to think of. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be a huge paradigm shift for us to model our brains around looking at numbers like that. Um, so it makes sense that automatically when someone sees that one bitcoin is forty thousand dollars i guess perhaps the least that they could think of is oh like what is 10 cents worth of bitcoin meaning that what's 0, 0, uh, sorry, 0.10 worth of bitcoin because that's the smallest amount i guess we would know of um because pennies don't exist anymore but we have nickels we have, whatever so like <laughs> that's still that's still being biased towards feeling like that's the only amount you can get right but it's still untrue you can buy ten dollars worth of bitcoin if you want yeah true the, the the unit bias that i'm referring to more so um goes into okay because ripple's 25 cents it has the potential to be 50 cents more than Bitcoin, like a doubling. There's more likelihood that a doubling would occur. Whereas like people have a hard time believing that Bitcoin can go from 40,000 to $80,000 Canadian, but people don't have a very hard time thinking that Ripple can go from 25 cents to 50 cents. 
right? It's a doubling of your money. You right. can buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin at forty thousand dollars, and if it goes to eighty thousand, you've got two thousand dollars. You can do the same thing with Ripple, um, but the unit bias is uh, that people think that it's more likely that that Ripple will do that than Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a high price and, and Ripple's a low price. Whereas that's not that's really not true. Like the the, the things that control the prices of these things in the market um, is not, is not it's not cut and dry, right? It should be based on the value that they provide. That's exactly and right. If you're saying that, oh well, Ripple has had um moneygram have pay mon sorry moneygram ripple has a deal with moneygram or ripple pays moneygram to use ripple then that's essentially uh what, what's it what's it called a stock buyback uh is that similar to that essentially like increasing the worth or value of, the, of your own cryptocurrency by um buying it buying it buying from the market back. yeah exactly. Ex except except this is different so i guess because they're buying somebody else buying their services wow that's really interesting to think about so okay let's it's let's weird read right this. it's weird manipulative let's read this from this wikipedia article so in 2020 an article in the financial times alphaville revealed that moneygram the largest public user of ripple's xrp based liquidity tools has not only received a 50 million dollar investment prior to adopting the tools but that the software was provided free of charge by ripple and the moneygram and that moneygram was receiving an ongoing subsidy for using ripple amounting to 8.9 million dollars in the fourth quarter of 2019 the same article revealed that ripple was dependent on sales of xrp which is ripple to remain profitable right so like let's lay that out for our audience uh ripple labs is a company they made 100 billion <laughs> ripple tokens out of thin air they sold them to investors they then used that money to give to moneygram 50 million dollars of it uh and said moneygram we'd love it if you used our services and moneygram says sure we'll use your services but only if you give us 8.9 million dollars <laughs> every year or it look it looks like one quarter um i'm not sure if that's per quarter or per year so ripple minted these tokens sold them to investors and then used the money to pay other people to use the services it's like okay that's that's what i don't like right yeah these tidbits in um wikipedia are pretty cool so let's fast forward to today because there's actually really interesting news that we yeah. can talk about with respect to ripple that's happening right now uh, Ripple was up at like 80 cents uh, not too long ago. I think it was either December or early January. And then uh, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, filed a complaint slash lawsuit against Ripple and that immediately caused Ripple to fall from 80 cents to about 25 cents. And basically what they're, they're saying is it's a security. It's an unlicensed money transfer service. They're, um, they're operating a money transfer services business under the guise that they're a decentralized payment network, right? So they're like, hey, we're Bitcoin. We're just as good as Bitcoin, but cheaper, faster, more efficient, right? But in reality, it's like, no, you're not. You're a company that created these tokens. And and so basically these things that we've been laying out in this episode, it's not just being said by like two people on this podcast, Go Full Crypto. It's like, no, this is actually being backed up by um, like the largest legal stocks and exchange powerhouse in the world, the yeah. United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Well, I also find that there's been a lot of, um, what's that word? Not controversy, but um, like if you say that you're going to do a certain thing, but the truth is far from that thing. Uh, you're, it's not hypocrisy either. 
But um, here, so for example, in the same Wikipedia article, it says that uh, Ripple claims to be completely separate from and have no control over the XRP cryptocurrency in spite of the FinCEN press release describing XRP as, in quotes, its virtual currency known as XRP. However, Ripple controls the vast majority of the supply of release, this, sorry, supply, sorry, oh gosh. <laughs> However, Ripple controls the vast majority of the supply of XRP and, according to its own published records, earns the majority of its income from selling XRP. Right. So they're not like TransferWise or MoneyGram that makes a margin on like the service that they're facil facilitating. That would be like charging a transaction fee. Like that's that's a totally yeah. legitimate way to make money. Uh, I think that what um, we need to elaborate on yeah. is um, making in its majority of its income from selling Ripple. So for example, on an exchange, if someone buys Ripple, then somebody else on the other hand is selling Ripple, right? When someone When someone buys Ripple, I, at an exchange, when that trade is made, that's when Ripple makes money. No, not not necessarily. So I, I think that th at that point, that Ripple is already in circulation if they're buying it on an exchange. If you're just like a typical retail user buying Ripple on Binance or something, then you're you're just trading with another person on that platform. Ripple actually sells XRP in huge batches of like 10 billion at a time. They have a monthly auction, basically, where they go and they, they sign up, they probably get on the phone with like uh, wealthy investors and say, hey, we've got 10 billion Ripple being uh, like released into circulation this month. Like how many do you want this month? How many do you want this month, right? And then they release those into circulation. Those investors would then take that, that Ripple and then maybe take it to Binance. Right on. So, okay, so it makes sense that the majority of the supply of Ripple is still uh, withheld within the company because if that's how they're making money, that, hmm, super interesting. Yeah, very. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to wrap this up by posing a question to our audience. If you've invested in Ripple, if you are in, interested in investing in Ripple, we'd love to hear your thoughts against what we've said or for what we've said, because we just want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, we just like hearing we, from our audience. It's, yeah, exactly. It's and nice. and if we've said something that it goes against what you have heard about Ripple, or if we've like not been able to establish a fact correctly or truthfully, then again, we'd love to hear back from you too. So that we can correct ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for listening. Um, before you go, it would be hugely beneficial if, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you give us a five-star rating and even perhaps wrote a review because that'll help other people find us. And if you're enjoying our show, tell your friends about it. Tell them to listen to this episode if you're against Ripple. If you guys are talking about Ripple, then maybe you want to give this a listen. Yeah. Uh, what? Give this a listen. If you're talking about Ripple, like I've been at parties where my friends have been like, hey, what do you think about Ripple? I do, okay, full disclosure, everyone, that we probably should have done this disclosure at the, at the start of this episode, but in 2017, I owned, I owned Ripple for about three days. And that's because my buddy three was like- Three days. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, go buy Ripple. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Uh, so I bought Ripple. And then I researched all this stuff. I was like, well, this is this is wacky. And then three days later, I sold it. And I never owned Ripple again. <laughs> Full disclosure. In the interest of transparency. There we go. So if you, if you want <laughs> your, <laughs> your friends to hear this particular episode or the rest of our show, recommend us to them. And again, give us your feedback. Message us at, um, or 
really just find us anywhere on the internet, but you can always email us at ready at goflowcrypto.com and we'd love to hear your thoughts on debunking centralized entities and Ripple. All right, with that, thank you everyone for listening and watching and stay tuned.